Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this video broadcast every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I have guests who talk about some of the most novel and interesting and relevant topics for employers and business owners, often related to employment law, to business, and to aspects of the employer-employee relationship. And in that spirit tonight, I'm very pleased to have with us a guest who has a really interesting and important topic that many of us might not even be thinking about on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and that guest is Dr. Stefan Zavlin. Uh, Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. I get to be on the week of the host's birthday. That is, um, <laughs> I'm over the moon. So happy birthday, but also excited to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Stefan. Yes, as Stefan mentioned for our viewers tonight, yesterday, March 28th, was indeed my birthday. It was my birthday. Hey, what happened? The mute button went on when I mentioned the years. What, what's going on here? Um, I guess my age remains a mystery. <laughs> but no, it was a great birthday. It was a great fun time with family and friends. Took a day off and back in the saddle today. So thank you for that, Stefan. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And um, we're on a good celebratory topic today of our health as employers, employees. So um, I'm going to introduce Stefan in just a moment. But our, our topic tonight is called Employers Stand Up. Um, or as I think REM put it really well, stand in the place where you work, now face west. And, you know, we're talking about how many employers recognize the importance of employee wellness through exercise. Often they offer discounts on gym memberships or fitness consultants for their employees. And there's, of course, a stress and understanding of ergonomics rather in the workplace, economics too, but ergonomics, um, from better back support and chairs to customized monitors, all have been gaining traction in the workplace as well. But what about the benefits of moving more and sitting less? What is the harm that a workplace involving too much sitting can do to your employees' physical and mental health, along with the harm to their productivity, morale, and focus. The answer lies in not just providing resources for sitting less, such as standing desks, but rather it requires a shift in the workplace culture from encouraging walk and talk calls and meetings to standing while working. And the need for moving more and sitting less is especially relevant in today's changing remote and hybrid workforce, where employees might be sluggish, anxious, fatigued, or in pain from Remote workers may be sitting on their couch like this or in their beanbag chairs. So it's really, I think, a great topic. And on tonight's episode of Employment Law Today, I'm joined by, as I mentioned, Dr. Stefan Zavalin, a movement mentor driven to change desk work, work culture. Stefan and I will discuss concrete ways for organizations to improve ergonomics and to change their workplace culture to a place where employees are encouraged to stand up for their health, their well-being, and their productivity. So once again, Stefan, really great to have you on the show tonight. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. I, I think a lot of what you already said is, is important. I think many employers might say, well, you know, I got those big monitors or I got the standing desks, but okay, well, are there other things that we could be doing that are actually more important for the long term? I think that's what we're going to be uh, getting more and more into. Absolutely, Stefan. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And I'd agree with you there 100%. And just to give you a proper introduction to our audience, get to know you a little better. My guest this evening is Dr. Stefan Zavlin. Uh, He is a movement mentor driven to change desk work culture. Despite losing his vision in graduate school, he started a company called Love to Move, where he mentors organizations on adapting company culture to improve productivity and health. The dream to evolve the current work model so people no longer have to choose between their work and their health. I like that. That's a great dream. Stefan aims to make virtual services accessible to all to help this cultural shift. Since starting on his mission, Stefan has written a book called Sit Less and has given a TED Talk, which I thought was terrific, on the same subject. And in his free time, he likes to write songs on piano and guitar critique a good cup of coffee, and play board games with his wife and friends. All right. That was really just, again, I think we're like feeling this positive energy. You know, I get that vibe. I see you on different, uh, we have some connections, I think, on some um, 
different uh, like clubhouse where there's a, um, a weekly panel discussion that you and I have been on like for people called the hot seat from Dr. Lance Nab, and I think we're ready to roll here. So, so let me ask you the first question, um, if I may, uh, Stefan. <clears throat> question is, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Like, for example, what what prompted you to found your your company, Love to Move? Sure. So this is something that I I didn't realize my true love for for movement for a long time. When I was a little kid, I used to climb trees and I love movement. My mom always brings that up. And I had a lull during high school where I went way into music and I was going to play in orchestras. That was the dream. And that's what I actually started going to undergrad for. But then I sort of found myself finding that the passion for music was just to play music. I didn't want to necessarily be in orchestras. I didn't want to study and get a degree in it. And fitness had worked its way into my life. I got uh, my undergraduate degree in kinesiology, effectively exercise science. And my parents said, uh, what, about, what about grad school? And I thought, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this degree for grad school. Let me look at what's, what's out there. And I found physical therapy. It was basically physical therapy and occupational therapy were the two choices. And I said, physical therapy? you get paid to do this? This is amazing. I want to do this. And so I, I went fully in. And like you said, because a lot of people double double check this first semester of grad school, I ended up getting a parasite in my eye, which resulted in me losing my vision. It's, it's a very, very long and, and fun story, but um, fun in the sense of interesting, not fun in the sense of I had a good time. Uh, let me Let me make that part clear. But I was able to finally finish off uh, grad school, I got my doctorate, and then I went into the clinic. Because of my vision, I was kind of pulled towards something called manual therapy, which means the hands-on kind of therapy. And as I was working with patients, I realized, eh, I'm not having the impact I would want. I only do one-on-one. I can't have a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. And it was after several years of working that my vision had gotten progressively worse, worse, worse. And I finally said, that's it. You know, I need to start doing something else. Mm-hmm. And so I started having this idea of, okay, we need to adapt the general environment and the culture around how we do desk work, not just giving people exercises, because I would give people exercises, I would tell them to go talk to their boss, so they could have something else. And people don't really end up taking the initiative. Most of the time, we kind of go, well, if it's not hurting me right now, I'm not really going to pay attention to to that issue. But that's the problem with chronic back pain is that it comes on after years and years of you doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got a a little uh, a a kick. Um, I actually got COVID uh, right around the time that I was having this idea. And that kind of put me out of the clinic for a, a bit longer because I had complications of heart pain when I stood up for more than 15 minutes. Oh. And I'm, I'm all better now. Yeah. Uh, but, but that it took me out of the clinic for about a month and a half. And honestly, by the time that was over, I was thinking, I don't want to go back to the clinic. I know what I need to be doing. I know that I need to start reaching out to more people and start changing this mindset around how we do desk work and that's kind of where love to move was was born is uh, mm-hmm. reaching out through that and having a bigger bigger reach that's why the book happened that's why the ted talk happened is so that more and more people are hearing this idea of how we need to be reducing our sitting as opposed to just exercising more all the time wow got it it's like you know i hear interesting things there stefan that i could kind of piece out there tease out relate to it's like i hear the um Right, you know, going in with maybe say one passion uh, in music, but then like realizing it wasn't maybe your calling in life. Um, I think that's interesting. I think a lot of people can identify with that as their background, but then finding exercise and finding the movement study, exercise science, I think you called it, like, and said that I can get paid for this. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, like you talked about, like, you talked about two, I think, very challenging situations, both of which you know, sound, uh, you know, arguably hardships, like losing your vision, which as you said, it's definitely not, you know, fun in the experience and sorry for that experience to you. But then like from that, right, comes this shift. So in form, they get your shift from the uh, physical therapy realm to the the focus on movement and study of the work culture. And then you mentioned like having COVID and having that put you out of the clinic for a month and a half and then really focusing on your, your uh, company. I guess my takeaways there are just like, you know, noticing how, you know, we can have hardships, uh, a life that may seem like a really hard, rough, difficult deal, but something good can come in them, like a silver lining. And I think you kind of, you know, like live that, like you, you exemplify that. So I'm hats off to you on that. I think uh, you're absolutely right because 
a lot of people could look at it and those were two kind of disastrous events and but in a, in a way i would have never probably started the but not never but I, it would have probably been years and years down the road that i would have started the business if i hadn't gotten COVID and i didn't have that kind of immediate of well what do i do now you already had this plan the idea was already i kind of was thinking about it for a couple months at that point i just went all in uh, and in terms of my vision the silver lining was the most apparent to me when i did my ted talk Something that people don't know is you have to memorize a script for the TED Talk. You write a script. I wrote like 27 different ones. It was it was a lot. Um, but you have to then memorize it. You don't you can't just ad lib a TED Talk. And a lot of the speakers were struggling because they would practice for the script. And so when they actually had to do it, they, they were relying on it too much. Given my vision, I never had the ability to practice while reading the script. I had to memorize it. Yeah. And so that was a huge step up for me because I was I was just ready with it right off the bat. Wow, another example of, again, you know, a, a, something that seems hard that can actually maybe have that beneficial that benefit to it. And I heard your TED Talk, it's a great one. I, I put it in the uh, link in the newsletter for the radio station so people else, hopefully other people can hear it too. We can get to that a little bit later, but, but good to have that, you know, that background there and that what, what prompted me to found Love to Move. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, because we're flowing nicely, so I can get to another question before our commercial break and we can come back to it if we need to. But like the idea of, you know, what are some um, common factors in the workplace that lead to this unhealthy level of prolonged sitting? And the part B of that question is like, is this really a problem that's worth a company's time to address? Sure. And this is this is kind of an interesting an interesting thought. So I'll, I'll answer the part B before we get to the part A, because I think since we were talking about COVID, in a way, COVID has been the, the pandemic and the shutdown has been an interesting way to pull out this idea that we probably need to shift work towards remote and hybrid kind of options. Yeah. We have that ability for desk work. We we were able to adapt. That was the the pandemic was definitely this catalyst for that kind of a movement. Um, I don't know if there will be necessarily such a catalyst for this sedentary, overly um, just prolonged sitting kind of culture around desk work that's really going to be quite as impactful. But the idea is the long-term effects are absolutely there. And the issue is that if we're thinking that an hour of exercise reduces the effects of sitting more than 11 hours a day, it does not. Um, right. Well, it is it reduces, it does not reverse. Um, you're still gonna have your issues from doing that. And we can't keep asking employees just to do more and more outside of company time. There's mm. just, there's really not enough um, time around that. So in terms of should employers care about it? Absolutely, because yeah. this affects it way down the road. Because if we think about people that are overly stressed, um, overworked and their physiology isn't behaving the way it needs to, and then you ask them to perform something superbly and work amazingly, mm -hmm. that's, that's asking too much. And so yeah. the factors, just to be really quick on them, the three things that I notice, it's usually culture, habits, and then design is something about like the physical environment and design that usually is lacking. Mm, culture, habits, and design. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You raise a good point there, Stefan. It's like we had some catalyst to, for people maybe to get more into like technology, right? Everyone went remote. Well, I should say that everyone, most people, a lot of people went remote and people were kind of pushed to learn how to use Zoom or the WebEx and other video virtual mediums to communicate. Um, but the, the, there's not much I hear saying for a catalyst, like the people, especially on their own, to go from, you know, say over sitting to just kind of getting up moving and standing and so forth. So interesting point there. It's like, what is that catalyst? And that's another reason I think why it's a problem for companies and you know when you mentioned like that it's worth their time to address like because of the effect on people's you know productivity and and the idea that what i heard you say um i think it's important to emphasize like you know a lot of people i think and myself included honestly i've been in this uh, camp before you know i'm an attorney i'm a lawyer so I, I sit very often a lot um at my desk you know like at my computer um on the phone when i'm writing reading and I, I'll stand and go into court, although lately arbitrations have been and mediations have been done virtually. So you're sitting. So, but I, I think I kind of I made it told myself that like, as long as I'm exercising, you know, going to the gym every other day, getting some walks in, it, it counters it. But what I'm hearing you say is, you know, it, it doesn't like it's definitely helpful to exercise better than not exercising and you have some movement, but if you work out for an hour or 45 minutes and then you sit for nine, it's 
the sitting is still harmful. So I, I think that's an important point for our listeners who might be like me at home thinking, well, I get to the gym, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the elliptical, you know, I'm on the bike, I'm stretching. So good point, you know. And I never want people to misconstrue that exercise is still fantastic for you. There's a wonderful YouTube video that was posted long ago. And it was, I think it's called 23 and a half hours or something like that. But it basically, it's a doctor that goes through all the physiological benefits of spending that 30 minutes a day exercising out of the 24 hours and the, the 23 and a half hours is you can do whatever you want. There are a lot of benefits for you, but we just, I think that we take that and we overlook what sitting is really doing to us. And a lot of my approach I do not push for people to do exercises because that's not scalable. You can't ask people to stand up from their desk all the time and take breaks all the time to a degree. Yes, we start with that, but Mm -hmm. it has to be about adapting how we're doing the work. So maybe we're doing it in standing. Maybe we're having meetings while we're walking. It's about doing the exact same work, not taking time off of work, but you're doing the same work, just you're sitting less. And that's the whole, the book title is sit less. That's why I didn't call it move more. Uh, is because we need to have that distinction in our minds. Yeah, I'd love to come back to that point. We're uh, at our first commercial break. Um, so folks, you're listening, everyone out there listening to or watching Employment Law Today, I'm your host, Eric Sauber. My guest tonight, Dr. Stefan Zavalin um, of uh, Love to Move and uh, Movement uh, Mentor and Expert. When we come back, we'll talk more about this shift in the workplace culture to foster and facilitate employees sitting less and moving more, almost the other way around. And we'll talk about why it's important. So listening to Talk Radio NYC, stick around. Commercial break, we'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm still your host, Eric Sauver. I'm an employment law business law attorney here tonight with my guest, Dr. Stefan Zavalin, um, of founder of Love to Move. And uh, Stefan wrote a book and did a great TED Talk on like, the benefits of, um, of sitting less and moving more. And the emphasis on sitting less, like being key, that you know we can exercise, which as Stefan said, is wonderful. It has health benefits and benefits to our focus and our mind and body, but the sitting, prolonged sitting is a harmful thing. And I think that's something we can get into. Um, you know, Stefan, it's funny. I, before I get to another question, like I'll just, I'll share with you, maybe this kind of actually like relates to um, a question we might cover. Like I, in booking you for the show and, and going over some questions, thinking about you coming on tonight, I got to my office in the city and today and 
where I come now about two or three days of the week and the other two or three days from home. So I got here um, and I looked around like, and I saw that, you know, I have a standing desk. It was right in the corner. I had some books and some other things stacked on top of it. Like it was sort of like a makeshift shelf that, um, and I was using it a lot like before the pandemic hit. And then in the pandemic, I was working from home very suddenly. My wife was working from home. We were kind of like balancing that. We were juggling room to room as we were raising a, our son who at the time the pandemic struck was then seven months old. He's now two and a half and um, two, two and seven months, whatever. But so I just left it in the side of my office and I've seen it every day I come into my office. Oh, there it is. Um, today I dusted it off, you know, blew off the dust and I used it when I was working and I used it. And I was standing on taking some phone calls, like standing while typing. Um, so what I have to say, you know, the, the, it definitely like doesn't come naturally. I think most of us just tend to sit a lot. So can you like walk us through like some, maybe a common <clears throat> part of me day of, let's say like a worker like Alice in your TED talk, uh, what does a prolonged day of sitting look like and what might it do to somebody in terms of their mind and body, if you can? Absolutely. And uh, may I say that I am, I am so happy that we were talking about catalysts that I was technically a tiny little catalyst to get you to look at your standing desk again. Um, <laughs> yes. that's, that's my dream. That's all I want to do is to help people relook at that a little bit more. But re realistically, if we think about a typical workday, um, most of the time, commute or no commute, people, you, we wake up, people usually sit about the average, this is the U.S. averages, 30 minutes um, for breakfast. Commute is usually 30 minutes. Most of us, if our commute is from our dining room to our living room, maybe it takes a little bit less than that, but we usually yeah. still sit that entire time for that extra hour until we actually have to get on. Um, usually it's about seven hours of sitting for desk jobs is what people kind of get into. And then you have your 30 minute commute back. And then most of the time people sit for an hour for dinner and three hours afterwards when, when they're kind of watching everything. Um, I go through this fun math on the TED talk as well, but essentially that looks at something like 13 hours a day. Now, why is that really bad? The issue is that at around six hours of sitting, we have increased uh, risk of anxiety and depression. Eight hours doubles our risk of cardiovascular disease. And this is we're talking throughout the day. So eight hours doubles cardiovascular risk, which cardiovascular disease was still the number one killer, even during the pandemic in the United wow. States. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a very much an important thing. Now, the good news about those two numbers reverse yeah. with exercise. So as long as you have a good, healthy exercise, you're fine. I'm not trying to push people to sit that much less than eight hours. If you sit less than eight hours, wow, good job. Great for you. Right. Now we're, we're getting past the 11 hour mark. That gets to be our issue is after 11 hours, it seems like it's not really reversed with exercise. All of those impacts on the cardiovascular system, on our overall physiology and psychology in the sense of the, the mental health of anxiety and depression. Yeah. So that's where we need to start kind of chunking a lot of that stuff down. And in terms of Alice, a lot of what, what, what ended up happening is finding those ways of how do we adapt it? Do we do Zoom calls standing up? I, I wear the proud mantle of only sitting for two Zoom calls last year. And um, I will say that I don't have a standing desk. So it's not as if you have to have a standing desk. I use a pile of textbooks. Don't tell my professors, but that's exactly what they're being used for. <laughs> I put up my, my monitor. It doesn't mean I never sit. I just move the books and then they, I use them as a footrest. Probably shouldn't have said that. My professors are not going to be happy about that either. But um, <laughs> that's the reality of it. When I'm on the phone, I, this is my nature. I can't sit and talk on the phone. I stand up and I pace. That's just the way that I do it. But I bring all this together to say, one, that didn't come right off the bat for me. That, that all took time to form the habits. And it's really about habits. Right. Because the fact that you came into your office and you saw the standing desk, it's because there wasn't necessarily a built up habit of this is just how I do work. And this is what I use. Right. So immediately it feels like, Oh, it's this extra thing I have to do. It's over. For, right. I don't think about zoom calls and if I have to stand up or not, my setup sort of some of the ring lights and things like that, they're already only in the standing position. So mm. it would be more work for me to sit down. So there you go. The habit formation is right there. And this is the kind of stuff that I try to walk people through and help them through uh, in the kind of, in the love to move um, mechanics. Wow. It's interesting. It's like, you know, you talk about those statistics, even those numbers, which I, you know, fully take your word on, believe it on the six hours of sitting with the anxiety and depression and the eight hours and the cardiovascular effects and the 11 and 13. And, and, you know, it's like, I think it's important to note that whether you work an eight hour day, a seven hour, a 10 hour day, a nine hour day, like the sitting is not just 
what you do at work and also you have to add that to as you pointed out you you know you sit at dinner right? you sit while watching tv you sit while watching netflix right um you've rarely seen people watching netflix like standing up but some some might but it's rare and then they're sitting at breakfast and the commute so i think it's like all the more reason for that important shift um and yeah interesting to hear you talk about habits and i was interested that you use the books and i think your professors would be glad to know that hey you know what those books are meant to increase and improve your life and give you value so if you're doing so as a desk it's great i just think it's nice for our audience to know that you don't have to go out and buy a standing desk you can but you can use something makeshift like books you know or something to that nature um to raise your monitor and that's uh yeah because i thought about doing the show standing but my desk is in my office and i was moving to a conference room because there was a little gathering by my office like outside the office there so i thought let me just but um like, but, you know, it's good to know that you, uh, you mentioned some good points there about, you know, building a culture. And I guess it brings you another question, which is, you know, I was going to ask you, like, and I think I know the answer, is providing standing desk the answer to the issue? Well, sounds like it's not alone because you need the culture. But how do employers foster this cultural shift in the workplace like, to promote and encourage more movement and less sitting is what I want to know. That's it. And it's, it's a really good question. And yes, um, I'll just also caveat. So I, I say this for standing desks to a degree, treadmill desks, because that's also what I'm asked about is when they put treadmills under the desks, uh, which has been a popular trend now. They're like little tiny treadmills that you can walk on uh, for your standing desk. Build the habit, then buy the desk. Don't, don't do it the other way around because you're just going to get a bunch of people. And this is what happens when employers buy a bunch of standing desks for everybody. And then they see that only 5% of their employees actually use the standing desks. You didn't build the habit. Why do you want them to use? They've always been sitting. That's how they're used to doing work. Right. And so when it comes to, you ask the cultural side of things is what is, how is work done in your company? Company culture right now is the the big buzzword. Everybody talks about kind of that inclusion. What are the core values for people? We can also address it from the the aspect of standing. How Mm -hmm. is work done? Is it weird for a person to be standing on a Zoom call? Is that the odd thing for people to do? Or is everybody standing? Do you have every Monday, you have a 15 minute meeting where it's standing only meeting and it's it's quick. People are going to be more productive because if you want numbers, standing is about 46% more productive than sitting. Um, So and that was done in a call center. So this is looking specifically at kind of the, the consistent work uh, where you have to work at a computer. So right. you, you have to get in, but then there's a piece of where you have to work with your employees and your cultures. So when usually when I go in, I don't, if, if it's a company of 300 people, I can talk to all 300 people and give them presentations. Mm-hmm. A fraction of them are going to do it. That's not helpful. What's right. better is to work with groups at most 25 people, but really even smaller, maybe groups Mm of 10, 15, those teams and find what are the ways that they are gonna be able to implement and kind of use use this. And it all starts with cultivating culture. It starts with listening. You just have to ask them the question of what do you want? What does movement look like for you? Because if you're asking your entire company to participate in a 5K walk, Mm -hmm. there's some people out there that they have bad knees and they'll say, look, walking one mile for me is way too much. Yeah, And it's not the answer. You're already excluding them in that sense. They can be in a separate, you, you can't exclude them and ostracize them either. Right. You need to find then what's the group for them that they are still cultivating that part of it. So it's really asking those questions and then helping everybody be accountable of building up those habits. The truth is it's a lot of work, which yeah. is exactly why most of the time that's, that's where I'm coming in and saying, okay, let me do that of, of figuring all these things out, talking to people and providing alternatives. Because as soon as people go, well, I can't do a 5K. I'm not doing anything at all. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't solve your problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, Stephen. Absolutely, Stefan. It's like, you know, um, there's so much interesting stuff there about kind of window into human nature when you think about it. It's like, number one, I, he- I heard you say, I'll paraphrase it as, you know, like, is the company and the employer normalizing sitting, I mean, standing regularly, normalize standing see sitting rolls off the tongue it's such a common thing but like you're normalizing it that when somebody gets on a zoom call and they're standing it's 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 considered maybe even applauded or just you know or just treated like okay that's great not you know like what's going on over there you know or it's like why are you standing up or because people will feel self-conscious like if they're the only ones doing something i think you struck on a real part of human nature there it's like you know you normalize by making something popular 
And then you said, well, not one thing is good for every person. So, you know, maybe sprints around the office might not work so well if you've got someone with like, you know, a heart condition. So, so maybe we need to really look at like what, you know, people's um, different abilities are. And yeah, it sounds like it's about getting creative too, um, you know, with the coach, right? Do you encourage your team, for example, to, you know, take calls like standing up? Do you do you have a, a meeting where people walk around, say, like a small outside the office building in nice weather? Not this weather, it's freezing, but walk around and, and at least here in, the, in New York um, and, and just talk about what's happening. Like, is that, you know, as opposed to all sitting around a conference room table talking about what's happening? Have you had that experience working with companies where you're, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of things that, and you also uh, talked about. One of the things that if people are, um, unsure about the whole thing of let's say a conference room for example people think that it's too much of a cultural shock strangely enough but if some people are standing up some people are sitting down oh that's so disruptive how can we possibly uh, do that okay first let's approach what do you usually do when somebody fidgets in a conference room if your company says nobody fidget everybody sits completely still (laughs) first let's start allow fidgeting because actually fidgeting is your body's way of saying, hey, I need movement. Let me let me move a little bit. And mm-hmm. a lot of studies show that you can actually re- reverse a good number of those issues with prolonged sitting by fidgeting. It depends on, on the amount of fidget. If it's just twirling your fingers, maybe not as much. We're talking about kind of like the leg ones and all of that. But yeah. even something like that, what is, of course, if fidgeting is very disruptive, if you're banging a pen on the table, <laughs> that's a different issue. But you could still fidget and not be disruptive to the rest of the entire uh, group. The other key thing that you um, touched on, which is interesting, is uh, to encourage employees. And encouragement is great. I think companies should absolutely encourage, but they should also understand the difference between encouragement and facilitation. There are many companies that encourage, far fewer that facilitate. So to to help listeners, encouragement sounds like this. We at company XYZ think or know that uh, sitting too long is bad for you. So we encourage you to take some uh, breaks throughout your day. Facilitation sounds like this. We at Company XYZ know this prolonged sitting is bad for you. We have given you three five-minute breaks throughout your morning and your afternoon. That's it. You've now given the entire permission. It is not as weird for somebody to be walking past your cubicle or wherever you may be because you know they've been given those breaks. They're not slacking off. The culture is there, and it's what you've touched on again. It's normalized that the movement is going to be part of the company culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I think like um, a really important point to get home because, and it's funny, it's like interesting that what you're talking about tonight, what we're talking about tonight, Stefan, um, I've seen how normalizing even say conversations around race and a different topic, but it's like that same idea that like, you know, you see people, you know, if you just tell a company, uh, your employees don't discriminate against people, you know, treat everyone equally. Some people have no idea what that looks like in terms of, like, say, implicit bias, you know, or getting rid of microaggressions in the workplace. It's like you need to really facilitate it through trainings, through examples, through modeling behavior, um, through uh, communications. And so I think the same would apply, arguably, that any kind of workplace cultural shift, um, because you can tell your employees, hey, you don't work too many hours, bad for your health. But if you give them a ton of work, right, and, you know, like the bill of hour model, Maybe you need to say, God, folks, we're going to have a, you know, uh, an 8, 8.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. work week every other week or a four-day work week. And that's a way of facilitating people not overworking. So um, I think you raise a good, solid point there that, you know, I'm sure you must, I'm sure you must get people like light bulbs going off when you say this, that there's between encouragement and facilitation. That's key. Absolutely. And there is this kind of avenue of where different people are going to go, different employees, I should say, individuals are going to go at different paces. So there may be some that a, a five minute break is going to be nothing to them. There may be some that that's way more movement than they're used to. It's similar to if we're going to say you're going to now stand up, we're going to getting employees standing desks. You're not going to go from sitting for however many years you've been sitting for those 13 hours. to now you're going to stand two hours straight for work. Right. Your body's not used to handling that. It can't handle that. And I always say start slower and build up then start way too big. And then because that's not how you're going to build up the habit. You should build up the habit from kind of success. You may start with five to 10 minutes of standing. One of the easiest ways is if you have emails that you usually answer in the morning for 10, 15 minutes and you have a laptop, can you take mm-hmm. it to a counter and can you just do it? And that's just how you do those emails from now on. And that's it. That's your habit. You've built that up. It's not two hours of standing. We could build up to that potentially, mm-hmm. but 
that that's not where you're going to start. If you're not sure at what, what time, how long, this is for both entrepreneurs and employers and employees. Yeah. If your back and neck is aching, if your muscles are tired and fatigued, mm. way too much. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a no pain, no gain kind of a thing. No. You should always feel that, oh, I'm invigorated. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit tired. Let me sit down. A little bit is where you stop. Don't push it more than that. And overall, you made that point that we, we do sit outside of work as well. I'm realistic about it. I don't expect that we would be sitting or mm-hmm. are not sitting for the whole eight hours. The, yeah. the ideal, the absolute ideal is if you can sit only four out of the eight hours, so half of the time that you're working, but that takes time to build up to. Don't start there. Just take 30 minutes, hour off at a time, build up from there. Don't Your employees will not like you if you just cut that yeah. time in half. That's going to be way too much for anybody. We'll come back to that point. I'm so enthralled with the conversation that I actually uh, missed a little note to myself about the commercial break. So we'll take our next commercial break right now. Um, folks listening to Employment Law today, our guest, Dr. Stefan Zavlin, we're going to come back with more on this topic and more helpful concrete tips for you. So stick around. Right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber, Employment Law Business Law Attorney here with Dr. Stefan Zavlin, a movement mentor driven to change desk work culture with his, his company, Love to Move, and his book, Sitting Less. Um, yeah, once again, Stefan, really great discussion so far. And we've got a couple more uh, topics or two to, to cover, but I think we're really hitting home with like, you know, very concrete you know, not so like esoteric, abstract, complex, uh, but just concrete, simple yet, you know, concrete uh, actions and, and reasons for actions that I think people can really get behind, stand up for. So, so it's good to hear you so far what you have to say. I'm glad that's, that's been uh, my absolute pleasure of hearing uh, after the TED Talk and a lot of times when I speak to people about it, is mm-hmm. they go, wow, that's kind of simple, isn't it? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, the problem is that we're not doing it. That's, that's the right. other side, uh, which is a lot more complex. That's, you know, human behavior, psychology, yes, but what to do, yeah. it's not, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. as difficult or, and this is my favorite true, truly part about it, as pricey. Um, it's mm-hmm. not as if we need the new gadget, we need the new, because that's the other thing people ask about is, is there an app for that? And right. my, my mm-hmm. usual answer is, if there was, would you actually do what the app says or would you just turn off the buzzer and not listen to it? Because <laughs> that's the problem. It doesn't matter if there's an app for that. Right. Uh, it comes down to our own habits. Yeah. Very true. Very, you know, and that's funny because like people get apps for, you know, meditation, timers and sleeping. And like, if you're really that in the habit, you hit, you know, the, you just hit the, but okay, got it. Right? I'll get out later and not, you know, and as you pointed out though, habits around sitting and standing 
at, in the workplace, which as we point, as we talked about earlier, is valuable for the employer and the employee, right? Employer gets more healthy, balanced, productive, focused employees. Like employees become more balanced, healthy, focused, et cetera. Um, but like the, the challenge, the part of, of habit building is starting small, I heard you say, and better to start small and build up from there than to start too big and say this is too much. It reminds me of exercise. It's like, right, like, you know, I had a, I think two friends, like, um, I have more than that, but I had two friends in the story that I think are valuable. One used to be in a great shape, this wonderful, fantastic exercise. He played football in college. Like he got injured. He stopped exercising, gained a lot of weight. And so he had exercised for like 15 years, or maybe like 18 years. He decided to go at it again at right around 40, 41. So he started exercising, but he wanted to do what he did as a you know training college football player. So you know, he had the weights really, really hard, with all these kind of like intense like movements, like running and racing and jumping and, and sprinting. And, you know, we kind of just again, would pull and hurt every muscle and his back and be sore for like five days, you know, like, like it just like wiped out like, and like, like not able to exercise like for like three or four weeks. And then you go at it again, just as hardcore, you know, as if he were back in his high height of his, uh, and then just be like flattened, you know, and he stopped exercising. And I had another friend who injured both his legs like in an accident. Thankfully he was not permanent, but it you know took a while to get recovered. This guy used to love to skate. He used to uh, rollerblade like all over the place, everywhere, you know, for hours a day. He was in great shape, and you know he got injured, he got depressed, and he couldn't rollerblade anymore. And then he just refused. So like one of his good friends said, you know what? I think you should put on your skates and just skate around the block and then take them off. And he said, that's ridiculous. What? It's that doesn't make any sense. What's that going to do for me? He said, just just do that. Just a, you know a few times a week, just five minutes around the block. And he's like, but you don't get any more workout then. But he did it. You know, he did it to sort of, you know, appease his nagging uh, friend. And then it became 10 minutes. And then he lost track, became 15. It wasn't even getting. And then all of a sudden he's back to skating regularly. So I, I, maybe that to your point about like, you know, you sit for a little, you stand a little more, you stand through your emails, and maybe you stand taking that call. And then maybe you're doing three calls. Is that kind of aligned what you were saying or? Absolutely. That story, honestly, just, yeah. just warms my heart um, because mm-hmm. I think there's another piece there that's that's really interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and I know this wasn't technically the moral of the story, but right. you look at the first person, the first person's um, kind of driving motivation was football, sports, big things. So the workout was similarly tailored. I have to do this, this stuff even though there wasn't football to do it for, because realistically you would work out to be a good football player, not just work out uh, to work out. In the case of the second person, the skating and the skiing were a passion and something they liked Mm -hmm. because it wasn't, I wonder, for example, what would have happened if instead they said, well, why don't you just jump rope? And they would go, I don't, I don't care. I don't jump rope. I don't like that. That's Mm -hmm. not interesting to me. Would it have had the same effect or Mm -hmm. did it have this effect because they started small with something that actually resonated with them and they liked doing Hmm. There is there is something also to, to consider there, and that is absolute. That's kind of coming back to that whole thing of where you said maybe you shouldn't sprint around the office if you have a heart condition. It, hmm. It's not gonna. It's not a cookie cutter kind of method of we hmm. we do need to find those things that apply to each person specifically. And when it comes to habits, motivation is is just such a big big component of it. Hmm. Of where what is the deep down core motivation for you? Because if if you're the employer. And you're motivating your employees just by saying, well, you're, I'm going to fire you or I'm going to pay you less right. out of fear. That's not going to be lasting. You're not going to have a good relationship with them. You have to find what is it that motivates them? What is that internal piece for them that's important? Mm-hmm. A lot of times they can be family. It can be the fact that making money makes them feel free because they can express themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, hey, now if you're going to be standing up, let me maybe, if you're going to stand up two or three hours throughout the day. I know your productivity is going to increase by about 46%, which very rough math here that we're doing, but sure. that might give you about an hour and a half extra of work out of that person. Mm. So what if you say, Hey, if you give me three hours of standing, you can leave a half an hour early. You can leave an hour early. You as the employer still went out on the productivity benefits and it's not an exact science, but it's finding those ways of what's important for them. Maybe they need to pick up their kid, and that's why they need to get out early. Mm-hmm. You've given them an avenue of getting out early and a good motivator exactly for them to do it. So it's, it's finding those amazing little connections, and that yeah. builds up culture besides just movement. That makes you more connected as an entire company, and your employees are going to be way better for it. 
I like that. It's like like how you know you kind of touch upon that sort of the like the psychology behind a culture, any kind of cultural movement. You know, sitting less, like moving more, or um, anything along those those lines. Work life balance. It's like like you know, if I hear you saying, what I hear you saying is find what works for that employee, what speaks to them. And so if it's like, hey, you know, if you do this, you sit less. You know, you get you know free coffee at this place, and the person's like, I don't like coffee. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> Not going to do much. But you know. If it's like, as you pointed out, that's an excellent point, Stefan, that if you as an employer know that by standing more, moving more, sitting less, like your employees be more productive and healthy and well, and you can reward them by, you know, letting them leave half an hour early, if, and that means lots of them, if they're passionate about their nighttime, uh, you know, book club, like karaoke, or they're picking up their child from, from school or early, or coming in half an hour later, you can sleep late on Fridays, let's say, or, get ahead, or maybe Monday, if people like to get up early Monday morning. Um, I hear and I hear, you know, because that can be expensive. Like you can have like books at the standing desk, and you can have, but I hear it's like the implementing the culture includes the psychology and finding the motivation and taking small steps. I think that's really helpful stuff to know. And the, here's the piece of where it becomes complex and kind of difficult to implement. We can say, hey, this is great. We can have the knowledge. A lot of times we're missing the action. Uh, one of my favorite little quotes that I love telling people is knowledge without action is useless and irrelevant. Yeah, um, because yeah. you, you can know what to do, but if you don't do it, that's the problem. Um, sure. We're having, and this is maybe a complete different discussion. I won't go too deep into this, but sure. we're having an issue where middle management is becoming micromanaging. That's, <laughs> they're just, they're doing tasks that aren't necessary that a computer program can easily do. You know, like, what is your productivity number? A, an Excel spreadsheet can tell you what your productivity number is if we're really getting into all of that. You don't need a, a human to do that. Right. But what you need the human to do is make those connection pieces. So this kind of stuff that we're talking about, about building that culture, that's where those middle managers really can shine is about building up that community of the team and connecting those pieces. Because maybe there's two people that are in, in that book club, like you said, but they don't know that they're in the book club. And all of a sudden they have a connection piece at work. It really is lacking that, that kind of cultural piece. And that's, I think, what needs to be built up. Let's take a commercial break. Vaughn here on Talker to NYC on Employment Law Today. I want to come back and talk more about that as well as we'll talk about love to move and how it distinguishes itself from other companies promoting ergonomics and movement. So we heard a lot so far. We'll hear some more. So stick around, everyone, to Employment Law Today on Talker to NYC with Dr. Stefan Zavlin. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. Our guest tonight, Dr. Stefan Zavlin. I'm sure everyone's been really 
taken aback or impressed by just this interesting, dynamic, enthusiastic conversation we're having. So I'm really glad you're on the show tonight, Stefan. I, I'm excited. Like I, like I said at the beginning, I love talking about this stuff. I can talk yeah. about it endlessly, uh, which is which is a beautiful thing. We kind of talked about finding passion and finding that that thing at the beginning of the of this show, um, right. and it, it's it's nice to to feel that to whatever it is that you're doing is giving you energy as opposed to taking energy away from you. Agreed, agreed. You know, I have that passion for employment law and labor law. I love business law as well. It's like, you know, if I can give a presentation, um, if I can read some more material, if I can help a client, I'm so in that zone. It's like my joy. So I'm glad you experienced that too. And I want to give you a chance, you know, before we, I'll give you a couple minutes at the end to share your content information. But for now, I'm wondering, like, how does Love to Move distinguish itself? Hold on, please. I mean, dry parts there. How does Love to Move distinguish itself from some other maybe firms or companies that might be stressing, uh, say, ergonomics or you know movement? And you shared some stuff, but and also I've asked you, how do you apply some of your principles when you have employers with remote workforces, like encouraging the work from home folks to get up and move? Sure. Um, and honestly, the answer is kind of the same for both of them. So when it comes to ergonomics, there are many companies that have an ergonomics team. And whenever they hear about the things that I do, they go, oh, yeah, we have an ergonomics team. We don't care. That's that's fine. Here's the issue when I talk to employees and their interactions with their company's ergonomics teams. They they set up exactly what, what you need as far as your desk. And that's it. And they, they, there's not usually this kind of interaction of, OK, what are the habits that you need to build around that? Um, what is the culture? Is this even though your desk might be set up perfectly, if you're sitting all that time, you're not doing your body any good. Right. It's less bad than if your desk was terribly set up, but it's still, it's not quite that piece. So a lot of what I try to make sure that Love to Move brings in is that cultural and the habit formation piece, which is lacking. And that takes time and presence, which is the, the other piece that sometimes doesn't happen is I've had people that go, uh, oh, yeah, you know, my employer told me that our ergonomics team had a presentation last week just about what you were talking about. And I go, now, why weren't you at the presentation? And why didn't you know about the presentation when it happened? Why did it only happen after the fact when you brought up the, the idea of needing to do that? Yeah. So it's not within the culture to actually kind of think about movement and how important it is, even though it's what we do every single day, really every single waking moment is we're moving to some some degree, degree or shape. And um in, in that sense. And so when it comes to remote workers, mm -hmm. you can't really change. You're not going to be able to say, I'm going to buy you a standing desk. You could. Uh, right. It's a little bit harder because you don't know their actual layout. But that's when it comes to culture and habits, because no matter what they have, even if they have a pile of their professor's old textbooks, they can still have the habit and the culture around it. If everybody else on the Zoom call is standing up, you're cultivating that kind of team and camaraderie of we stand up, easily yeah. done remotely. Um, what's not easily done remotely is ergonomics. Are you going to have somebody go out to every single person's house to fix it up? That's a lot harder. But if you teach people how to do it, because a lot of their ergonomics bits, mm -hmm. I can teach somebody how to get the major points across and do it right. for themselves. Mm -hmm. You're basically teaching them how to fish as opposed to just being like, that's set up. Okay, you'll never see me again. I'm the ergonomics guy. Mm. There are fantastic ergonomics people. I don't want people to think that it's bad. It's just this is what I've been hearing from employees of their right. experience. Right. It's like it's more of, of a sustained movement. It's more of a little plan where it's like, I think it's more of a, an actual um, just a setup and, a, a, and as you said, culture and habits, the culture and habits and listening interactively, which is different than, you know, here's a standing desk, sitting's bad or too much sitting is not good for you, you know, fix it. It's a, and I think it's really important to make that observation. It really is. It's just, and as you mentioned, remote workers, it's, you know, it's like we can't, uh, control where some of their out, uh, outcome or their rather their out, uh, exteriors we can control or how teach them about culture and we have like three minutes until it shows up my time flies when you're having a ball and I am having fun here why don't I give you a couple minutes Stephen just to share about you know like how can people get in touch with you like your website you know email any upcoming books talks it's floor is yours sure um, so stephansavlin.com easy right there you you can absolutely uh find it uh, that has the link to almost my socials if you just want some inspiration you can find me on instagram that's where i post the vast majority of my things oh if you're just going hey i need some of these tips and tricks and things constantly being put out it's all out there if you have any questions i love questions and i am upset that not enough people reach out to me um mm -hmm. <laughs> please email me 
um, stefan.zavalin uh, at ltmmtl.com. Mm -hmm. But really, you can just do the contact form uh, on the website as well. That will reach me right away. Um, the book is called Sit Less. I've got a beautiful purple cover of it here. Um, oh, nice. Purple is my favorite color. And so mm -hmm. the book is purple. You'll see a lot of purple if you ever interact with any of my uh, website or social media things, uh, because I really, I try to take you along on this adventure because we need to make this stuff fun. I understand standing up for work is boring, but we need to make it an adventure and fun. And that's, that's my whole drive is to make sure that we change the whole global culture around desk work so that mm -hmm. we're not sitting as much. It's not about no sitting, it's about sitting less. That's my whole spiel. Mm, yeah, well said there. I really, you know, well said to wrap it up. It's like, you know, in that in that way. And it's it's um and the purple, also a big fan of purple as well. I know she bring it seems like a purplish shirt there, purple tint, very nice. Um, no, and you're right, it's like this is actually an interesting topic. I think people might write off as, oh, well, sitting less, you know, but you hear about the health issues and all, so it's just great to hear. And you know, uh, Stefan, it's like as we wrap up the next minute, I'll just say, first off. Thank you for being on the show. You've been an excellent guest. Really appreciate your energy and your, your, your optimism. Uh, it's very inspiring. And also, um, if people like what they heard, you know, you can hear us on iTunes or Apple or Google Play. But tune in Tuesday nights, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right here to Talk Radio NYC, which is www.facebook.com forward slash Talk Radio NYC or the Talk Radio website. Um, once again, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney. I love bringing these issues up every week. So stay tuned and tune in to the other fine shows on the station. Um, so uh, I wish everyone a good night, a good week. And uh, here's to uh, moving more and, and sitting less. And, and Stefan, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. And everybody go, go wish Eric a happy birthday everywhere. Oh yes, please do, right, yes. right. As I celebrate <laughs> years old. <laughs> You'll never know, never find out, but thank you so much. Never. <laughs> Thanks. Have a great night, Devon. Yes. You as well. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. 
Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 